0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 20th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that never opens loose boosters. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. MTG Critic on the interwebs. My co-host this week, filling in for Travis Allen, is Cliff Daigle, uh, a.k.a. Word of Commander. And we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Hey, guys. Really glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing valuable information with all of you. This show is sponsored by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtcheaprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Cliff, why don't you
0: break down uh, our segments for our listeners today?
1: This week we've got four segments. First of all, we're going to talk about our top movers. We're going to walk you through the cards that went up and went down the most. Then we're on to the picks of the week, as you and I will share what we think are some of the best places to put your Magic Dollars. After that, we're going to talk about the metagame with some tournament results, and we'll finish up with this week's hot topic, Eternal Masters, and what the heck is going on there. For the third week in a row, we're going to be
0: uh, covering off the the latest and greatest with Eternal Masters, since it is the hot-button topic of the month, and uh, let's jump into our top movers this week. I'll uh, start us off with uh, a little blue card that's been making some inroads. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Day's Undoing, the Mythic from Origins, uh, released last summer. Uh, had already moved up from $2 earlier in the spring, and this week moved again from $3 to $4 for just a 33% gain. But uh, on the back of several decks making use of the card to refill their hands, um, Rise of the Robots is a affinity-style deck in modern that plays out a lot of fast, uh, artifacts and then refills the hand on turn 2 or 3 um, there's also been a number of extra turn style decks um, that have been using the card in both standard and modern um, and uh, I expect uh, that this uh, blue mythic will probably end up in the 5 to 10 dollar range down the road it was a pick of the week by both Travis and myself this month and uh, I think at 4 dollars you've still got some some room to gain if you can get your hands on some copies and, in trade or at a reasonable low price
1: I mean, if you can pay three mana to draw seven cards, who doesn't want to do that? It's that simple, especially with some of the instants that the decks will play.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the key advantage is if if you can empty your hand before your opponent really gets going, then giving them seven fresh cards may actually throw them off their game. If they had a good hand, they they may cycle into a bad hand. If they had a, a bad hand, maybe you give them a good hand. But if you're moving fast enough, perhaps it doesn't matter.
1: And so uh, next up we're going to talk about the force of will foil from eternal masters the card you want to open This is the winning lottery ticket starting out th- at three hundred and twenty five dollars It's gone all the way up to 500. That is a gain of a hundred and seventy five dollars in just a few days and for the very simple reason that this is a gorgeous card. It is a four of in numerous legacy decks. If you play legacy, Force of Will is one of the defining cards. You want to have this card. You want to have the shiniest, prettiest version of this card, and it is going to cost you to get this card.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody can agree that the, ter- the new Therese Nielsen art is the superior art versus the Judge Foil, which I think is going to exert some downward pressure on the- on the Judge Foils. Um, I'd seen the card as low as 240, 250. Some copies moving at 280 um, in the early days of the the set release, but very quickly now the the tables have turned as it's become clear that the dealers don't have uh, much in the way of additional inventory. A lot of LGSs have blown through their stock already with events and pre-orders, and uh, the reallocation this week being just two boxes has contributed to foil force of wills getting bought out this morning on tcg player they basically evaporated and the last i saw there was only a single copy posted at 500 so it's not even clear whether um you know that's going to be the settling price maybe it'll be below that maybe it'll be above um but uh the card is hot and likely to get hotter if you're if you're holding them right now i think you can you can sit on them uh and see how it plays out in a month
1: James, uh, based on your conversations with people, do you think there's more of the Judge promo out there or more Eternal Masters foils?
0: I mean, that's hard to say. The Judge foils were sent out in two separate packs. Um, we could probably establish roughly how many were sent out, I would guess, in the in the low single-digit thousands um, at the maximum, and it could be as low as uh, several hundred. Um, because I know they changed the rules, and not all judges get uh, the premium judge foils anymore. I think you have to be either level two. Uh, I think, I think you have to be level two or three or above. I'd have to double check. But, um, if I had to guess, I would say that there are, um, roughly equivalent amounts of both foils floating around. Um, if you look at the numbers that are available on TCG player, um, they're not too far off. And uh, But I think that the, the art being better on the EMA foils is going to lead to people uh, primarily chasing that foil. Um, the fact that it's a judge foil used to mean something because it was the only foil Force of Will ever printed. But now that there is a pack foil printed with superior art, which is arguably just as rare, um, you know, I expect that to be the dominant foil as we move forward.
1: I was going to make that exact same point. The, the judge foil... Uh looks like any other counter spell. Whereas uh, Therese Nielsen has proven that she's able to do these iconic and unique images and she even makes control magic look good. So doing this again for Force of Will is really just outstanding and a gorgeous gorgeous piece of art. Congratulations if you open a foil.
0: Yeah, I, I just saw a couple of friends on on Twitter today bragging about the ones they had acquired. So I, I, my jealousy is in full swing, but I'm mostly focused <laughs> on trying to track down Japanese versions of the foil right now because I think those are going to be uh, very expensive collector items in the long term.
1: What do you What are you looking to pay for Japanese ones right now? Seven fifty?
0: No, they've been selling even higher, somewhere in the nine hundred to eleven hundred dollar range U.S. Um, has been the the going rate the going rate in Japan. And I think it's probably well deserved. I mean, um, Japan has a storied history of uh, being interested in these kind of collector level, not power nine but certainly iconic um, legacy and vintage cards. and there's plenty of interest in that country to hold most of the inventory on their side of the border. Um, you know, the dealers over there aren't allowed to sell the product directly online overseas. Um, so the number of boxes that are leaking uh, across the ocean are, are relatively low, and I think both the boxes and the key foils um, will be you know, pretty exciting um, from a collector standpoint down the road. They're not going to be the kind of thing that's super liquid. You're not going to be able to dump it just at a moment's notice. It'll be more like trying to move a mox or a lotus. You're going to have to find the right person. Um, but I think the demand will be there because I, I don't think that we're going to, unlike uh, Modern Masters, I don't expect to see an EMA again in 2018. I think it's um, the, the, the depth of the card pool that can be reprinted to support legacy and vintage and, and as a sidebar commander and, and casual is much smaller than it is with Modern, and though it makes sense for Modern Masters to have uh, a set every two years or so. I, I don't think that's true of EMA, and I think, well, if we get it at all, it might be something like four years down the road, which means that these foils um, on the high-end cards in the set will have a lot of time to gain ground. So, uh, next on the list we have Mystical Tudor Foils, um, another pretty sexy blue foil out of EMA. It's moved from $20 to 32 this week for a 60% gain. Not a whole lot of supply left anywhere online, as with many of these foils. Uh, most of the ones that haven't been bought out yet um, are sitting in the you know 40 to 60 copies for for the mythics, um, sometimes between 50 and 100 for the foil rares. But um, pay special attention to the ones that can potentially be used as a four of people because uh, I don't expect them to last very long. And I think that over the next uh, you know month to six months, we're going to see a lot of that supply dry up, and the price will rise accordingly.
1: It's going to be a recurring theme. The more we talk about Eternal Masters, since we know that the products are being opened as quick as they can, they didn't get much for restock. That means it's nowhere to go but up. We are probably at the floor for Eternal Masters right now.
0: Yeah, especially on the foils. I mean, there there was a From the Vault foil for Mystical Tutor that goes for uh, as low yeah, as From the Vault or is ugly so. though. Yeah, and people don't like that foiling, especially for Legacy and Vintage. So it's going to be largely ignored if they can. Um, And, you know, I'm seeing uh, just 11 copies uh, of Foil Mystical Tutor left uh, on TCG Player. And, you know, I called out the the gained price at 32, but there's really only a few more copies left at that range. And then we're looking at a $40 card. So uh, if you can get in on them around 30, I think you're still in pretty decent shape for
1: the go forward going forward in terms of things going up also bridge from below has gained four dollars from about 650 to 1050 dredge decks they are totally a thing in modern it's going up and up and up and bridge from below is one of the key cards there because of what it offers it's good in legacy dredge it's good in modern dredge it fuels all kinds of shenanigans and this is something that's difficult to print uh, it's gotten the reprint in Modern Masters. It's a card that, if you've never seen it, has this brick of text and is hard to keep up with. So if you're playing it, you've got it. You're going to get a lot of zombies out of it.
0: If I was sitting on a lot of these that I had picked up speculatively at, say, three or four, um, and I don't think I have very many copies lying around, certainly probably just a few for some decks, Um I would probably be looking to get out of these somewhere around 10 to 12, um, if I could, uh, between now and the fall, on the basis that um, there's going to be focus on multiple sets over the next six months that's going to keep people distracted between different uh, objectives. And there is a chance that because this was printed in Modern Masters and not Modern Masters 2015, that it gets reprinted all over again. I mean, one of the things we've seen in the Modern Masters set uh, sets is a is a willingness on Wizards' part to to print cards, you know, back to back in versions of that set. And certainly, if it wasn't printed in the 2015 version, and we haven't seen it for four years, then it's got a very reasonable chance of showing up again next year.
1: I think it's safe for at least through the new year. I can't see this being in the commander product or in conspiracy. So I would actually hold on a little bit longer, wait for one or two more dredge decks to hit it big, and I would be looking to move out at 15 or more.
0: Yeah, okay. I could see that possibly being the case. It, it may end up being ambitious, but uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out. So next on our list, we have Thoughtlash, uh, a card from Alliances. Um I had to look this one up, folks, because this is not a card that uh, I've seen played uh, very often as of late. Um, it's an enchantment for two and two blue. Um, it has cumulative upkeep, remove the top card of your library from the game. If you do not, remove your library from the game and bury Thought Lash. It also has the ability for zero, remove the top card of your library from the game to prevent one damage to you. Um I have no idea what this is being used in. As far as I can tell, it's occasionally used in some in-commander decks, not even in any of the top decks. Um, But it did have tiny supply, and so it mimics this pattern we've been seeing all spring and winter that cards with any amount of hype around them or any kind of even fringe use can go up in a hurry if, if somebody just decides to gobble up the last ten copies. And that's um, the I thing. S-
1: this is a reserved list card that um, you can give it away in Commander, and the, somebody has approximately six to seven turns to uh, get rid of it. And if they don't, they're dead. And you can also use it as an instant win condition with Laboratory Maniac, because you can remove your library, and then you have no cards left, and then you say, I win. So the combination of reserve list and two different silly yet fun things to do in Commander, uh, somebody decided to trigger a buyout, and that seems to be what's going on.
0: Yeah, and now that you mention it, I do remember seeing a deck called Laboratory Lash um, that has popped up here, in, here and there in Legacy that's using the Laboratory Maniac combo and uses elements of... Uh, Miracles. It runs four Terminus, four Force of Will, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Counterbalance and Top, and uses the Maniac um, Thought Lash combo to finish things off.
1: I mean, it is a two-card win combination if you can get your Laboratory Maniac to survive. Uh, Otherwise, it's not going to go very well.
0: Sure. Fair enough. So if you've got any thought lashes in one of your old alliances boxes, folks, you might <laughs> want to pull those out. Maybe you can find somebody to unload them to on Puka Trade or something. And uh, Cliff, why don't you move us on to our
1: uh, top mover of the week. The top one of the week was Crystal Quarry and Foil out of Odyssey. This is a land that you may or may not be familiar with. It taps for a colorless, and it has five tap, add Wooburg to your mana pool. It has gone from ten dollars to twenty five dollars so this is already in low supply as an odyssey rare this is going to be very good in the four color decks that come out in commander uh... 2016 and this appears to be pure speculation ahead of that happening the non foils have not had the same level of movement so people are anticipating or could be one person with the amount of supply there was somebody's anticipating that uh commander players will want the newest and prettiest piece of tech and five tap play something that has all four colors seems a pretty easy thing to do in four color decks that's the only thing i can think of for why this would have such a spike
0: yeah it's nice that it's a repeatable effect um and again odyssey was quite some time ago that's like 15 years ago Um, so any, any rare foil from those that blocks from that era that shows any amount of, uh, interest is, is likely to lead to a spike just on low supply and an easy buyout for somebody who decides to take the plunge. And, uh, on that note, we wrap up our top movers of the week and move on to our cards to watch. Uh, Cliff, why don't you tell me about your, your first pick this week?
1: My first pick is Vampiric Tutor in foil out of Eternal Masters. Uh, Right now it's about $100 with a pretty tiny supply and it's going to hit 150 within the next uh, 6 to 12 months. This just seems like a ridiculously easy call. The Judge foil was uh, not as pretty and this is really going to increase the number of people who want to have this particular effect. Just like every other card in Eternal Masters, uh, the supply doesn't appear to have been very big, so right now we're at the floor, and now's the time to pick up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing prices as low as like $84 shipping included on TCG Player, but it's not going to take more than 15 or so sales before we're going to be pushed up over 100, and then people are going to be able to name whatever price they want. I suspect the judge foil will keep this in check somewhat. So I, I think that you know the the new art is good, not amazing, in my opinion. Um, so I think that there are some people that will prefer the classic art, especially given the the black bubble sidebars that are fairly popular um, from that era. But even still, between both, um, you know, there's there's less than sixty or seventy copies uh, easily available online. So I, I think your prediction of movement, whether it takes a year or two years, could could very well be the case. What's
1: the first one you like this week, James?
0: Um, I'm actually looking pretty hard at Wasteland non foils. Um, you know, clearly in your Legacy decks and your Vintage decks, you're more excited to have foil copies. Um, but there are because there's been four total foil printings of, four, of Wasteland. Um, I, I'm a little put off by it because you have to predict which one is going to be the most popular. Whereas the non foil versions of Wasteland um, don't have particularly high supply either. Um, they're down as low as 42 or $43. Um, the card had peaked uh, up over 120 back in two, 2014. And because it's a four of in multiple legacy decks, including the very popular Eldrazi builds um, that are running around, um, you know, carving out a, a very significant uh, new niche in the format. Grixis Delver also runs this uh, as a four of. Um, and death and taxes has been known to run it as a four of. Other decks run it as a one, two, or three of. It's one of the most popular cards in Legacy, um, and one of the ones that's likely to be the most enduring. So I could easily see these, you know, forty to forty-five dollar copies getting back into the sixty-dollar zone within a year or two, pretty easily. And it could go faster if somebody decides to make a run on this card. So I think, you know, getting in. In and around anything under 45 um, is probably a pretty safe bet. It's extremely like unlikely to go down further because there's just not going to be any uh, additional supply. Given that we just got you know non foils and foils in EMA, as well as uh, additional foils this year uh, in the expedition set. There's basically no way this card's seeing a reprint anytime soon. So it probably gets three to five years um, of being ignored by Wizards while it has a chance to make another run. And I could see it ending that period anywhere between $60 and
1: $80. If they don't reprint this for another four years, $80 seems very conservative. Yeah, I mean
0: there just aren't that many copies to burn through before it starts to uh, be forced up to a new plateau. All right, so tell me about your next pick.
1: I am moving in on Jace the Unraveler of Secrets from Shadows Over Innistrad. He is currently at four dollars and that seems very low for a Planeswalker with this suite of abilities. Uh, It's true that he's not as cheap as you might want, but uh, the buy-in on low-cost Planeswalkers has never been bad. It's very rare for you to pick up a Planeswalker at under five dollars and then be sad about it. Even if it means that you're going to keep it in the long-term box instead of the medium-term box, I think that uh, there will be a good control deck coming soon and I think Jace is gonna play a big part in that. And it's not gonna take much for him to go from four dollars to jump all the way up into the ten dollar range. I think that'll happen sometime in the next six to twelve months before he rotates.
0: The, uh, the deck I've seen him most prominently featured in is the Blue-Red Eldrazi Control deck in Standard. Um, they've done reasonably well in a bunch of different arenas, but I think one of the ones I remember best was a, a Star City game, Standard IQ, somebody finished fourth with it, um, four Drowner of Hope, three Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, a bunch of Counterspells, etc., and uh, Hedron Archive, and then two Chandra Flamecaller and two Jace Unraveler Secrets at the top end to uh, uh, act as alternate win conditions alongside Ulamog. Um, because it hasn't shown up as a four of, um, and certainly not in multiple decks, um, I'm a little gun-shy on this, but you know, it is pretty tempting when you, when you think of any Planeswalker that could potentially make a break as uh, Rotation settles in in the fall. Um, $4 is very, very cheap if he's playable, we have underestimated Jace's many times, um, including, <laughs> including Jace friend's prodigy who nobody saw coming. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I would want to see inventory drop to uh, a significantly lower level before I would feel the need to jump in. But if you think you're going to play with this card, folks, it's not going to get any cheaper than $4. So, you know, feel free to pick up your copies for play. And if you get some uh, upside out of that, all the better.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's been a rule of mine for a while that anytime a Planeswalker, especially one whose plus one ability is almost a banned card in Modern, in Preordained, uh, anytime a Planeswalker gets super cheap, you want to at least think about it. Because while it it might be a Kiora who just never found a home, but it might also be uh, Obnixilis who has been creeping upward. So I like picking up a few of these at their bottom and just being patient.
0: Yep, fair enough. So my next pick of the week is a confidence level of 7 with a mid- to long-term timeline. I'm looking at Sneak Attack um, out of EMA as another 4 of, um, you know, really only played in Sneak and Show decks, occasionally in Commander um, as a 1 of. um, So not likely to be an immediate uh, fast gainer. There are, you know, at least 100, 150 copies in Near Mint um, of both the original Urza Saga and the Eternal Masters version. Nobody was super excited about the art on the Eternal Masters version, so that doesn't really act as a major draw, but I have seen copies as low as $20, um, and I think that this is a card that regains uh, position up to $30 um, over the next year, year and a half, you know, slow and steady, a little bit here, a little bit there, without probably a a major notable jump. Um, But it's worth noting um, that we're going to talk about a sneak and show deck in our metagame analysis this week that just finished top eight in a major legacy tournament. So the deck is, you know, not uh, in its peak uh, form, but has still has demonstrated very as recently as this last weekend, that it can still top eight major legacy events, uh, you know, with these. Um, and on that basis, given that it was at, at one point a $70 card, I can easily see Sneak Attack regaining you know, up to the $30 range.
1: It's, you mentioned it in Commander. It's one of the more terrifying cards somebody can lay down on the table in Commander. Uh, it's also, uh, in, in the Sneak and Show decks, it's one of two things. It's either here comes Gristlebrand or here comes Cool. neither one of which is something you want to have uh, flying at your face. So uh, this seems like a pretty easy uh, shot for me, and I'm sad I didn't think of it as one of my picks.
0: Yep, fair enough. So tell me about your long shot pick of the week here, Cliff.
1: Now this is a long shot, and I won't judge you if you want to file this under craziness, but I am a believer in Behold the Beyond, a mythic out of Magic Origins. If you haven't looked at this card lately, and that's okay, it's five black-black. Discard your hand and search for three cards and put them into your hand. Right now it can be found all over the place for less than a dollar, and I think that this has the potential to get broken at some point. When that is, I'm not sure, but it's not going to take much for it to go crazy. And it, all it will take is one good showing from uh, a deck that is looking to dump its hand and refill with uh, the three key cards for its combo or whatever somebody decides to do with it but it can spike to five dollars pretty easily or even more depending we've seen crazier things happen in magic finance in the last six months and whenever you have a sub dollar mythic that has the potential to win you the game if it resolves I'm interested and I don't mind telling you I have quite a few of these on my want list on Puka trade right now.
0: Fair enough. Um, Just to point out, I I think you, you knew this, but you pointed, you, you mentioned that it was an origins card. It's actually a shadows over Innistrad card, um, which is consistent with what you had in our, in our show notes. Um, if it was an Origins Mythic, I would be a little more excited because I think that there was certainly less of Origins printed than there was of Shadows over Innistrad. Um, given that we're at kind of uh, bargain basement prices for Shadows right now, um, that contributes certainly to its sub-$1 status as a Mythic. I'm certainly on board with you that um, long-shot Mythics um, under a dollar that have some potential for upside are... Uh, can be exciting um, because, as you said, if any amount of play was seen on this card, if it ever had got camera time, even as only a one or a two of, it could shoot to 3 or $4 in a hurry. The biggest impediment right now, I think, in the short to midterm is that there are three or 400 copies easily available on TCG Player, probably the equivalent amongst a bunch of dealers, and it's going to take some time for those to bleed out, and um, that bleed is not going to occur until somebody you know, writes up an article and identifies a good use. That being said, people also underestimated seasons past, Uh, you know, a a similar card, a six casting cost sorcery that lets you get a bunch of card advantage back from your graveyard is not so different than a seven casting cost sorcery that, um, where you discard whatever is irrelevant in your hand at that point in the game and go find three very specific winning, you know, win condition type cards or the combo pieces that you need to finish off a combo already in progress. Um, you know, I could see this making a wave at some point. I just don't know what, uh, would be the trigger. And I think I'm more than willing to hold, you know, hold off until I see, uh, you know, the first great idea
1: built around this card. Would you be more of a buyer if you could get them at 50 cents?
0: Um, I think a dollar is very reasonable for a mythic, um, I just want to know what I'm, what my prediction is hinging on before I go there. Um, At 50 cents, I think I would probably throw $10 into it just to put it on, you know, the, the, my super outsiders box along with aggressive mining um, and just leave it sit, leave it rotting there for years. How many aggressive, can I ask you how many aggressive mining? You you don't have to say (laughs) if you feel embarrassed. I, I can't. No, no, I, I can't really uh, criticize this this or any pick too much because I'm holding almost 200 aggressive mining.
1: I've got uh, almost 100 profit of fix so I'm with you, bud. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> so um,
1: my uh, last
0: pick of the week is a confidence level of eight. It's a mid to long-term pick, but it could easily go off sooner. Um, Eldrazi Displacer, um, the, the foils in particular, this is a card uh, and a creature that has proven its value again and again in Standard. Um, very powerful in in the various uh, brews in Standard the last few months. Um, a, a card that has shown up in Modern, in Legacy, even in Vintage. Um, it's shown up in kind of... Uh, Death and Taxes style Eldrazi builds, it's shown up in uh, Bant, Eldrazi, and Modern with training grounds to make its uh, ability very cheap. There's all sorts of kind of undiscovered combos, both past and present, um, bringing in and out of play value creatures that have, enters the battlefield triggers or leave the battlefield triggers. Um, The foils are currently sitting at $10, which is a, a reasonably significant premium, but uh, I could easily see this being a $20 foil down the road. It's There's just way too many places where this card is going to get played. It's going to be a casual favorite. It's going to get played in Commander. It could be a, a very viable cube card. Um, it's kind of like the perfect storm. It's a card that is going to see... Is, you know, never makes a massive splash on the game on entry, but is a solid value creature with a very flexible uh, ability... And on that basis, I'm happy to start stashing foils away at 10 and wait a couple of years for them to double up.
1: I don't think it's going to take a couple of years, but like you said, the ability is so flexible. You don't even need to have crazy enter the battlefield value to go off with this uh, because it taps the creatures that you use it on. So you flicker their creatures out of the way and hit them for a bunch. And that has plenty of application as well. So being able to reuse your stuff is awesome. Being able to blink stuff out of the way is awesome. And it's three mana for a 3-3 that it just, it's got nowhere to go but up. I'm with you on foils. I'd even be with you on non-foils.
0: I mean, there's only 30 or 40 foils available on TCG. And this is a card that came out just a few months ago, um... You know, that's less than some of the foils from EMA that just came out this weekend. Um, so it, it's definitely a card to be watching. I, th- I think you're, you would be hard-pressed to find a safer foil to be throwing some money into right now. And uh, that wraps up our cards to watch this week. So let's move on to our metagame week in review. Um, what were the big tournaments this past weekend, Cliff?
1: We had two Legacy Grand Prix, uh, one in Columbus and one in Prague. That uh, one of them was won by Infect. Uh, if you haven't seen the match, the finals, where this young man, I believe he was 16, uh, attacked for 22 with a noble hierarch, which is just put a <laughs> smile on my face and a song in my heart. And Pog was that's, taken that's down pretty awesome. by... awesome. It was awesome. Because uh, you see Jeff Hoogland's face when uh, he he says no blocks, and then he goes, pump spell, pump spell, pump spell, berserk it's just, all right, way to go, Legacy. Uh, <laughs> GP Prog was taken down by Storm, uh, one of the most complex decks you'll ever have to put together and learn how to play. Uh, it's just something you have to be prepared for because your one or two counterspells are not going to be enough with the full grip of Duress and Cabal Therapies will all right. Cabal Therapy plus uh, Catoxian Probe just is really really tough to beat
0: yeah and there, there was good performances in in both of those top eights um in columbus we were dealing with uh in fact winning but we had the appearance of lands miracles grixis delver reanimator um and uh, three more Miracles lists. So, you know, half the top eight in Columbus was Miracles. N- n- no huge surprise. I think everybody knows that that is the top deck, if not one of the top three decks in Legacy. In Prague, we had Sneak and Show. So that's, you know, part of the reason uh, I like Sneak Attack, that Sneak and Show can still put up a, a top eight in a big big tournament. Death and Taxes, Shardless Sultai, Miracles, Grixis Delver, teamer Delver, Storm, and another Grixis Delver. Um, you know, several of those decks running Wasteland, of course, one of my, my other picks for the week. Um, you know, Legacy looks healthy. There's, there's a lot of, uh, viable decks, you know, a lot of tier, uh, reasonable number of tier one decks, ton of tier two decks. And, you know, we continue to see new decks make inroads like Eldrazi. You had pointed out Cliff that there were, uh, 10 of the top 128 decks were Eldrazi, but, you know, even though, and even though none of them made top eight, um, you know, that that core set of uh, Eldrazi uh, mid-range creatures, um, you know, still ha- has made a major impact. It's forcing people to adjust sideboards and is likely to be a fixture in the format.
1: So in Modern, when Eldrazi got banned, there were two lands that were good for two mana. It was Ayabugan and it was Eldrazi Temple. In Legacy, you have four lands that can do the same thing. You have Eye of Ugin, Eldrazi Temple, plus uh, City of Traders and Ancient Tomb. Add to that, uh, fast mana is even easier in Legacy. If you really want to be uh, going that fast, you can not only run Simeon Spirit Guide, you can have Elvish Spirit Guide, you can have Lotus Petal, you, you name it. And what happens is that Legacy has started to have an Eldrazi presence. And if you are not prepared for someone to lay down an eye and throw down two Eldrazi mimics, you are going to get stomped. Um, It's terrifying to see uh, cards printed in the last few months uh, start making waves at the top tables of Legacy. Normally, uh, I'm used to looking at these things and they take longer for people to figure them out. But it seems like somebody said, well, let's take this Modern deck that was too good for Modern. Let's add eight more Busted Lands and let's go show people what this can do. And sure enough, it is is really making some headway.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've even seen the seen the Eldrazi shell bump all the way back to vintage, and people are experimenting with it there, and and, and you know trying to, to find a way to to make sure that it settles there as a a, a deck uh, to beat. The it, it's very unusual, as you said, to see um, you know a handful of cards all from the same set or the same block um, show up as like a brand new shell. Probably the last time we saw that was when the miracles cards showed up um, and uh, were, you know, basically took over standard. Um, but, you know, it's very rare to see, you know, even miracles in in legacy only runs, you know, basically terminus. It's not like it runs an entire Miracles shell. It just happened that that worked perfectly with counterbalance and top. Um, so yeah, I mean, Eldrazi continues to make uh, a major impact on the format and is extremely powerful. Uh, makes perfect sense that it's banned in modern. And uh, but you and I were talking about the cast about potentially targeting Eye of Ugin expeditions on the basis that they've fallen quite a ways um, since their you know peak in the mid two hundreds. Now these days you can get them for under 100, um, and it was a hundred. You're talking about their expedition. Yeah, the, the Expedition version of, version of, of Ugin, um seems like a card that we were both uh, curious as to see how much gain, ground it could gain based on the, the limited amount of play that Legacy sees.
1: And it's true. Uh, Anytime something's too good for Modern, you got to think about mm-hmm. it in Legacy.
0: I mean, the only thing that, that keeps me at bay on, on Legacy cards that are prim- like really only Legacy um, is, you know, me wondering how much support the format is going to get over the next three to five years. Um, you know, EMA w- did not feel like in in the end, a major push to reinvigorate Legacy it was much more about giving a bunch of different formats, Vintage, Legacy, Commander, uh, Casual, and Cube, um, you know, little bits and pieces that they couldn't get anywhere else. Um, and we've seen how fast that inventory is drying up. So the... You know, Legacy is not getting a major shot in the arm from EMA, um, and it's certainly not getting it from the amount of tournament support at the highest levels. You know, Legacy is not played at the Pro Tour. Um, SEG is de-emphasizing it in favor of Modern, whereas three years ago it was completely the opposite. And so it, it has me thinking twice before I'm sinking, you know, very much of my portfolio into Legacy cards.
1: It's true. Uh, Legacy is going to be a difficult format to support going forward, but... Uh, at the same time, you have people who, if you've been playing the same legacy deck for uh, even three or four years, you've seen just the lands alone uh, go up by ridiculous amounts of money. And it may very soon be a choice between, do I want to keep playing my uh, my three-color Delver deck, or do I want to have a down payment on a house? Now, those, <laughs> those tropicals and those volcanics, man, they're... They're getting high. You could you can drop, uh, especially uh, good job if you manage to keep some uh, alphas or betas around.
0: Yeah, fair enough. The uh, so our final segment this week is the topic of the week, where we are going to for the third week in a row touch on what's going on with EMA and catch up to the, the latest uh, news on the release of that set and the financial fallout. Um, so Cliff, what I was really interested to see. Um, you know, even from our my recording with Travis last week, where we had been wavering on whether this was going to be a set that ended up with more supply than was initially anticipated, or, or or less, and how fast it was going to take to dry up. Just a week later, here am I. Here I am, getting reports that it's, you know, it's basically gone. That dry as um, a bone. Yeah. That the the dealers only got two boxes, um, which was a fact. Uh, in their restock, which I discovered on Saturday when I picked up the cases, the multiple cases I had ordered from a, a LGS in the States, um, and checking with some distributor contacts, found out that, indeed, some of them did have more than they had anticipated, but most of that came from cancellations from smaller stores that had, been, had placed a larger order and then backed out on it uh, for the fear that there was going to be too much of it lying around. And, you know, you got to think that some of those stores (laughs) that uh, declined to take their entire order on um, are now kicking themselves since I, you know, it it looks very likely that um, the remaining boxes and cases will dry up in the next few months. And that by the end of the summer, this could easily be a $300 to $325, maybe even $350 box, um, especially given how fast some of these uh, foils are appreciating, um, which a lot of people failed to factor into uh, the estimated value of the set and um even some of the non-foils are starting to dry up um all of which leads me to believe that um you know if you popped your box you should probably be holding those the key singles uh there's no reason to rush at this point to try to get rid of them Um, a lot of them have significant upside the boxes themselves seem to have significant upside so if you haven't popped it yet you may as well leave it sealed and see how this plays out um The only thing that would change my mind now uh, is if we, in fact, heard that um, dealers were getting access to additional allocations through distributors, you know, three or four weeks down the road that seemed like a fresh wave had been released. Failing that, I just, I I fail to see how this doesn't keep climbing, wouldn't you say?
1: I'd agree. Uh, It looks like Wizards is trying to find the sweet spot. Modern Masters uh, 2013. Did not go far enough. Modern Masters 2015 went too far. This seems to be finding a... I don't know if I'd call it a sweet spot. Uh, I'm still looking for my Vampiric Tutor foils uh, for all of my EDH decks. But I can see how Wizards is not wanting to overdo it and not wanting to underdo it. Because they have learned the lessons from each. And at least they're learning this particular lesson, I think it's unlikely that they would just surprise everyone with, oh, wait, here's, uh, you know, two more cases per store or another, however large a, uh, a distribution they would go with at this point. But um, everything I've heard and everything I've seen has said that this is it. What stores have gotten is what they will get. So if you've got uh, something, I would say it's time to hold it. If there's something you want to get, I would say now is the time to get it. Uh, if the longer you wait, the more likely it is to just go up. I think this is going to be especially true for some of the stuff that hasn't been in foil before, um, or the, the really chase ones. Uh, the Force of Will uh, that we talked about earlier, I think uh, Toxic Deluge has real potential as well. Uh, especially in foil, and it's just—it seems real clear that since this was the distribution, uh, it's not going to be the cases in Modern Masters too. Uh, if you've got the boxes, keep them. If you've got the singles, keep them. Otherwise, time to buy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, one of the interesting things here is that so many of the key foils in EMA are, in fact, uh, judge foils. Um, you know, Mana Crypt, Force of Will, Caracas, uh, Wasteland. Um, sneak attack, uh, vampiric tutor. Um, so many of the top, you know, the top foils were important judge foils, and it's interesting that that it aligns uh, so well with that prior list. Um, you know, it's it's pretty rare where you know Jace the Mind Sculptor didn't get a judge foil um, because it got an FTV foil, but nobody really liked the FTV printing. So you know, now we're facing the Eternal Masters foils for Jace. Um, despite ready availability from FTV being, you know, the cheapest price I can find is $202 on TCG. The next one's 220 And then pretty quickly you get to 240 280 $300. Like, um, you know, the, the, these Jace foils close to 200 look like decent buys right now just based on um, the preference in the market for to move away from the FTV foil wherever possible. Um, some of the art is just st- straight out superior. Um, straight that's certainly superior. contributing to the trend. Yeah, and that's certainly contributing to the trend. I mean, um, I'm not entirely sure people prefer the Sneak Attack or Sensei's Divining Top art, but the Wasteland art is very nice. Vampiric Tudor is solid. Jace is the classic Jace art. Caracas, Mana Crypt, and, uh, and a few others are are sharing their art with their, their Judge printings. Um, in Sylvan Library's case, it's sharing its art with the foil printing from Commander's Arsenal. Um, so all of that contributes to... You know, probably some price pressure uh, limiting the ceiling on some of these foils based on uh, roughly equivalent foils also being available from the judge side of things. Um, and certainly that contributes to availability of inventory. But that being said, um, a lot of the judge foils had come down in price in anticipation of these reprints and now have nowhere to go but up. Um, you know, Foil force of wheels were a big thing to be chasing on Puka trade over the last six to 12 months, where, you know, people were trying, would be happy to pick them up for seven, seven, the equivalent of 700, 800, $900 at various points of their release, and has been as low, you know, this week as 220 US. And and I expect, you know, that force of will is going, uh, the judge foil and the eternal masters foils to keep climbing, probably back, you know, up. Uh, what we, we saw the eternal masters foil get up to 500 today as copies start to flow back in the market. Maybe they fall down into the mid four hundreds um, as people try to out them for profit. But um, you know, they could easily get back up into the five to $600 range on both versions of the foil and stay there for quite a long time.
1: It seems unlikely that uh, wizards wants to do too much with, especially with uh, force of will being such an iconic card and now having iconic art to match um... i'm really what's the word i'm looking for here i think stunned is the word i'm looking for that um, the the choice between the two is so stark and it is a lot like what you said with the from the vault printings of jace there are a lot of people who really don't like the from the vault process Uh, there's a minor thing with Um, how the From the Vault feels and how it bends. It tends to warp a little differently than other foils. Um, I know that I've had singleton From the Vault versions of cards in Commander decks. And uh, like I have a From the Vault Ulamog in one of my decks that if I'm not careful, I'll cut to it. So I'm looking to replace that one because it it is noticeable enough to me that it, it can pop out. So and the art is also it's, I'm sorry not the art but the foiling is just just ugly it's just ugly <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, I had I was hands-on sorting a whole case of this stuff this weekend. Uh, my, my father, of all people, had bought a case for himself and did very well, actually, um, opened some amazing boxes, um, largely on the strength of pulling a lot of the key kind of uncommon foils like control or... or You know, low yield rares, but in foil are quite excellent, like uh, Hydroblast, Pyroblast, Counterspell, Control Magic. Um, There's a lot of kind of mid tier foils in this set that are worth paying attention to as you're opening your boxes. Um, You know, a card like Entomb, um, the foils for that are as low as 20 right now, but it won't take very many copies to dry up before it's back to over 30. Um, That art is very sexy. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of these mid-tier foils, um, you know, haven't experienced uh, huge buyout demand yet. Um, and and but there are you know some race to the bottom pricings still sitting around on some of these lists on TCG Player that look pretty tempting to me. Um, you know, o- overall, I think that uh, EMA has actually done what it was intended to do, which is not what people most people assumed it was intended to do. Um, and by that, I mean that a lot of people thought EMA was supposed to reinvigorate older formats or herald the um, the launch of a new format, none of which came to pass. What this set is really meant to do is fill the slot for the summer set um, ahead of Conspiracy 2 and sell some additional cards this year that, that would normally not have been sold. Um, and it's you know a small piece of the much bigger puzzle because it's not sold mass market, it's not sold at Walmart, et cetera. It's LGS only essentially. Um, and so and there were no giant tournaments surrounding it. so that certainly limits the amount of product in the grand scheme of things. I have to imagine that EMA um, is no more than one or two percent of the total uh, revenue for the brand this year. but it's interesting um, for, uh, the dealers because the margin is so much better on these boxes I think the dealers were depending on who they were and what their allocations were they were paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 to 170 on these boxes and then selling them at you know at least 240 so that's you know making 50 60 70 dollars a box instead of um, you know the 10 or 15 they usually make selling at retail for you um, you know, competitive retail for, you know, normal sets like Shadows over Innistrad where they might get a box for, you know, high 60s, low 70s and, and sell it for $90 US or something. Um, and you know, make 10, 15, $20 a box, I guess. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the margins are much better. So it's, it's nice for them to have something like that that generates interest, pulls people into the store, run a couple of great events. Uh, you know, if you're smart and you've got a big enough allocation, put some additional product aside to last, you know, two, three, four weeks worth of uh, cool drafts. Um, and then it's just going to dry up as we're seeing it do. And, uh, you know, from the perspective of financiers, I think it's going to be considered a huge success from the, the perspective of availability to, to players, probably remembered less fondly, um, especially players who, you know, feel already felt that the $10 MSRP on packs was uh, challenging and are even less excited when these packs start getting priced at 15 or 20
1: You know, it's going to put some uh, new foil versions out there for the people that really care. I'd forgotten that uh, Control Magic had not been in foil to this point. And it's going to be something that, uh, for the super high-end, it's got something. For the mid-range people, it's got something. And for a lot of prices, they're going to go down and stay down further. Um, Some of the cards are not really going to be ever incredibly expensive. But they're still a lot of fun. Uh, Eternal Masters is a pretty fun set to draft, to.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing, is that um, Modern Masters 2013 was well known as a, a solid draft format. 2015 was less well-received, um, but... Uh, you know, everybody I've talked to who's drafted it, and I certainly drafted as much as I could on opening weekend, um, had a great time. Everybody I talked to had a great time. I think it's going to be the kind of set that people are going to be pursuing um, boxes of down the road to try to run, you know, special drafts. And on that basis alone, I think that there's some strong support for uh, a a high tier plateau on the price of the boxes. And uh, on that note, that's a wrap for this week, folks. Um, where can people find you online, Cliff?
1: Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Word of Commander, and uh, my weekly articles are on Friday. I do casual Fridays on mtgprice.com.
0: And you guys can find me, as always, on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my weekly articles on mtgprice.com. And I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save
1: you money playing Magic the Gathering. That's the end of uh, my first MTG Fast Finance podcast, the end of my first podcast ever. I am now crossing this off my bucket list and my things to do this year list. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, James. Thanks for having me on.
0: And it's a pleasure, Cliff. We'll see you again next week as Travis continues his uh, adventures in Europe. And we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.